All right, well, we are going through this series called Planning Your Life God's Way, Practical Help from the Bible for Making Decisions, a book by Dr. Tim Berry, Missionary of the Philippines, and we're on chapter 6 tonight. Finding God's will is a question, as I've mentioned, that comes up all the time, uh, especially as I counsel people. Uh, what's God's will concerning where I go to school? What's God's will concerning my next career step? Uh, what is God's will concerning marriage? And so forth and so on. Uh, and it, it would be nice if the Lord just spoke it all out verbally. Uh, but... Uh, it doesn't happen that way. He wants us to walk with him and get to know him and fellowship with him. And I think, uh, in a sense, there it's, it's, it's even better that he doesn't just speak it out verbally because we have to really get to know his word and get to know him in order to know his, his will and his plan for us. Uh, well, tonight, lesson six is called Light Your Pathway with Scripture. Light Your Pathway with Scripture. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Many of you probably already had that memorized. How many of you have memorized that at least sometime in your life? All right, I figured most of you would have your hand up on that. Uh, let's say it out loud together. Psalm 119, 105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As a child, I remember uh, listening to my parents when I, before I could read. We would just say it out loud over and over and over until we would memorize. Uh, I memorized Psalm chapter 1 before I could read. My brothers and I all remember uh, my dad writing the pictures for Psalm 1. Barbarian hieroglyphics is what it was, actually. Uh, and, uh, and I still think of Psalm 1 with my dad's stick figures. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and so forth. It's great to get God's Word in your heart early. Even if you can't read, kids, you can learn Scripture. You can learn it better than us old folks who can read. Uh, uh, but I remember thinking of God's Word as a lamp. I thought, that's interesting. And, uh, and uh, truly, it is. And as I have grown older, I've seen this so clear where time and time again it's as though God just takes a flashlight through his word and illuminates the way ahead uh, you come to a place where you don't know which way to go you pray you seek him through his word and God's word helps to make the way clear when I'm doing projects around the house sometimes we need light and so I have oftentimes turned to Joel or Emily one of the kids to hold the light for me. They love that job. They love to hold the flashlight. The only problem is the light doesn't always stay focused where I need it to be. Anybody else have that experience when someone else is holding the light? I'm looking, I'm working here. Shine it where my hands are. You know, it's everywhere else. And kids get distracted, they get bored. So at first they're right on this, you know, the, the area of attention. And then it's kind of like, what's that? What's this over here? And shine it in their eyes. You know, it's all over the place. Uh, I need it to be right where I'm working. And I think sometimes we think that God's doing that with us, but he's not. He's not shining the light all over the place. Uh, his light is able to help pinpoint uh, where we are supposed to go. He holds the light steady. It is us who get distracted. 
Uh, I have since learned that uh, if I have a headlamp or one of those lights that clips onto the bill of a hat, it always goes where my head is and that works pretty good. Not to keep the kid out of a job. Um, I'll just do both. But God's word is the light and God knows where to shine it. Now, do we? I think sometimes we take the light of God's word and, and we don't know how to use it in order to apply God's word to finding his will. So let's start with wrong methods of using scripture. All right. And we'll, we'll begin with the first one, which is randomly opening scripture. All right. So someone says, I need to know God's will. Well, no problem. Close the book and let it fall open and read Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Well, I guess we'll have an apples after the service. Amen. There it was. No, uh, uh, you've all probably heard this illustration, but this man wanted to know God's will. And so he opened the Bible, put his finger down and it opened to Matthew 27, five. And he read, and Judas went out and hanged himself. He said, Lord, that can't be your will. Let's try this thing again. So he prays, opens the Bible, puts his finger down and it was this time, Luke 10:37, go thou and do likewise. And so he thought, this is getting worse. The so third time's the charm. Lord, show me your will. He opens the Bible, puts his finger down to John 13:27, that thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> and well, as a, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, you know, some called this method. This is actually an, an actual historical method. Uh, of opening the scripture and putting your finger down, it was called consulting the oracle. And many, many, many people have used this method, including Count Zinzendorf, anybody remember him? And the Moravians, the Moravian Christians. Uh, the Moravians, if you don't know anything about the Moravians, they were great, sincere Christian people who were phenomenal missionaries. They were some of the earliest missionaries and some of the most widespread missionaries. Uh, but, but they had this idea of consulting the oracle. I think maybe it goes back to, you know, the lots that were cast, but we don't have lots today, and there's no command in Scripture to cast lots or to open the Bible and put a finger on a verse. Uh, but they would do that. Uh, a couple other guys that, uh, that you might know, John and Charles Wesley. Anybody heard of them? Uh, tremendous preachers and songwriters and wonderful men of God, they also believed in consulting uh, the oracle, as they called it. And a funny story here that the book points out. Um, so John Wesley believed that he was going to die. He was 51 years old. He was so weak physically from an illness that he wanted to know if he was going to pull through. And so he consulted the oracle. You know, he opened the Bible, put the finger down, peek, and uh, he did it four times and all four times he put his finger on a verse talking about death. And so he began to put his house in order. And uh, he, he, he even uh, talked about what tombstone he wanted and what to put on his tombstone and all this sort of thing. And so he, he told his brother Charles that he was going to die. Uh, true story. And Charles was very uh, upset, distressed. And so he said, well, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to consult the Word of God myself. So he opened it up, put his finger down, and he came to Ezekiel 24, 16, Son of Man, 
behold, I take thee from, I'm sorry, behold, I take from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke, neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shalt thou tears run down, and basically another, another verse about death. And so Charles said, I guess my brother is going to die. And they thought for sure John Wesley was going to die at 51. Uh, Ezekiel had confirmed it. But John Wesley died at, in his upper 80s. Okay, so he, he pulled through. <laughs> uh, and I would, not, I would not necessarily subscribe to the old-fashioned open the book and put your finger down. All right? I'm not saying that anyone was like wicked for doing that. Obviously, John Wesley and Charles Wesley are some heroes of ours, and uh, Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians. Uh, but that is not necessarily what God wants us to do with, with the lamp. Uh, the, the lamp, meaning the scriptures, uh, I believe he, he wants to shine very specifically, not very randomly. When my kids shine randomly, it doesn't help. When they shine specifically, it is very helpful. So uh, this idea of just opening the scriptures, that's wrong, okay, wrong method of using the scripture, but there's a second one here, appropriating verses that do not apply to your situation. Not every command or promise applies to you. Like, for instance, that one, go thou and do likewise. Uh, no, uh, that, that's, that's not, that wasn't for you. Um, and for instance, also, uh, Ezekiel 24:16. that was not speaking about Mr. Wesley's death, that was speaking about Ezekiel's wife's death. All right, so knowing the context of, of the verses and knowing the context of Scripture is very helpful in knowing uh, where this light is pointing and how, how God is going to use His Word to illumine our way. Jeremiah 29:11, for instance. Here's a verse that we all know. Uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. All right, tremendous verse of Scripture. And so you have a young man, and he's praying about a certain young lady, and uh, he thinks Gertrude is the one. I know she's the one, and uh, I I need some confirmation. And he goes to 2911, and there it is. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And Gertrude is so peaceful. And, and not of evil. And that's her, oh, I'm telling you. To give you an expected end. An expected end, that must be marriage. And so, ah, there it is. God's will is for me to marry this young lady or whatever. Uh, I think that God's, will, God's word will help to lead us. But we have to be careful about trying to get a specific uh, from a verse that's just not there. All right, there are principles. We're going to talk about how to get a principle from Scripture. Uh, and, and, but we want to make sure we apply the Scriptures in the way, in the spirit in which they were intended. So if you're going to apply Jeremiah 29 11, it helps to know the context. So let's look at Jeremiah 29 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. So, my buddy here who, who believes this verse is for him and Gertrude, do you really want to, do you want to wait 70 years? Okay, <laughs> how far do we want to go with this? Because if we're really going to go down that path, then let's go down that path, all right? Uh, this, so the context here is, is talking about how God is relating with his people. 
And there's lots of promises that we can get and lots of, of applications that we can apply. Uh, for instance, God does not work to destroy his people in times of chastisement. Rather, he has a purpose through chastisement. God's thought towards us are good even when what we're experiencing is evil. God has an expected end, through, though it may seem at the moment that we have lost our way. There's so many things that we can glean to, uh, from those, a passage like that to our life. But uh, we want to be careful that we are not uh, misapplying a verse. Look at the verse and look at its context and take principles and, and morals and applications that are directly from that immediate context as, as, as you are uh, looking through the Word of God. Another verse that is often misapplied or could be, and you could, take, you could do so many here, but Isaiah 54, 11 through 13, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay the stones uh, thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires and I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Uh, so what's this about? This is, uh, so maybe I could say, okay, from this, um, Maybe this is talking about my family. Well, specifically, it's talking about the promises that God's keeping to his children and that he is specifically referring to the restoration of Jerusalem. And uh, uh, so that, that would be the, the primary application. Now, there are things that we can glean from it. Like, for instance, what God promises, he delivers. And if he promised to bless Jerusalem, he was going to follow through. Uh, there are so many that we, can, uh, we could do, but quote from uh, Dr. Barry, he says, when fishing for a direct word from the Lord, perhaps especially in the Old Testament prophets, be careful to catch something that you can legitimately use. Uh, I think if we're not careful, we, though we would say, all right, the, I, I've never met someone personally who subscribes to wrong method number one, which was just take the Bible, open it up, put a finger down, and read it. I've never met someone who, who does that. But I have met, oh, scores of people who do the second method, uh, which is appropriating verses that are not to our situation. And really, it's just like the first error, only a little bit more subtle. Rather than just flopping it open and pointing, we open it and scour the thing to find a certain obscure verse that sounds like what I want it to be. And yes, there it is. I have my verse. I've claimed my verse. God has spoken. And it's really the same thing, just from a different angle. We're not being honest with Scripture. So we want the Scripture to talk to us. But God's going to speak to us uh, through the whole tenor of Scripture, through the context, not a twisted verse or an isolated verse. Because we want, what we want is we really want to know we heard from God. That's the key here. I hate it when, when someone says, I know what God's will is concerning such and such. It is this and this and this, and I know that because of this verse, that verse, and the other verse. And I'm going, whoa, oh man. But how do you argue with them? Because it's like, it's, it's holy ground, and, and this, is, this is my verse. And I'm thinking, 
I don't know if that's your verse for that, pal. I mean, do you know what that means, what that talks about? But you can't talk people down at this point. Now that I have my verse and, and I've got my way and they go out and it doesn't work. And what's the problem? God let me down. God gave me a verse. God promised me. God told me in his word. And it didn't happen. That would be the danger of all of this. God didn't keep his promise. And, and not just that, it's a danger of this. It's finding fault with God as opposed to finding fault with our own misapplication of Scripture. Our poor skills as a student of the Word to rightly divide the, the truth. It's the whole God gave me a verse mentality where we take a verse and run with it and uh, I don't want God to just give me a verse. I want God to take His Word and shine that on a direction. I need to know it is God telling me, not something I just made up. So let's look secondly at the right methods of using Scripture in decision-making. So the right methods of using Scripture. First of all, look for clear and relevant commands clear and relevant commands. Acts uh, 1 is where we'll be first. Um, so you had in Acts 1 verse 20, you, you had the disciples looking to fill a position that had recently become vacant. And Acts 1 says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So they basically said, We need to fill a position that has been vacated. Psalms says something about this. We need wisdom. Let's go back to the Scripture. This Scripture specifically applies to what we're talking about. Uh, this works. Does that make sense? The, the Psalm there was, was a direct prophecy of, of where they were and they applied it in their specific situation. Uh, but what about some other verses? I'm going to put several on the screen here. And you, you think about these clear commands and match them with situations in your life where there, there may be immediate application. So we're looking for clear and relevant commands that will help us in our life. So we're just going to grab some isolated uh, random verses. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? All right, how might that help an individual who comes to his mom and dad and says, Mom, Dad... I'd like to get married. Oh, good, okay. Who do you want to get married to? I want to get married, uh, she says, to uh, Bob, the guy who works uh, drive through at McDonald's. I see him every day on my way to school. And Bob's a great guy, uh, and he serves me a great cup of coffee. And we've had some deep talks. Uh, is Bob saved? Well, no, he's not. But I've given him lots of tracks, Mom, and I think Bob's going to get saved. And so... Uh, I want to join the ministry of evangelistic marriage. Uh, no, that's, not, that's not why you get married. Uh, marriage is not an evangelistic tool. Marriage is what the Bible calls one flesh. It's two individuals coming together to become one. And so 
uh, the, the, the Scriptures gives us counsel on this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. So that verse would help someone who is praying about marrying someone who's unsaved. And, and that's not twisting Scripture. That's not looking for something that I want. This is what it's talking about, okay? But what about someone who's already married to someone who's unsaved? Uh, oh, I didn't put that one in here. I thought I did. Didn't put it in there. But uh, the Bible has specific, uh, specific instructions about that as well, uh, to, 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 to remain married to them and to pray for them and, and to try to win them. And there's great encouragement for the one who is married to someone who's unsaved. So that person can also find God's will for how they're supposed to, to continue. Because someone might say, my, my spouse isn't saved. Pastor, I want to divorce them. They're just dragging me down. Does the Word of God have anything to say about that? Well, as a matter of fact, it does. And we're going to take this clear and relevant Scripture, not some random thing that we're grabbing from, uh, you know, who knows where, but taking that which was written for that specific situation and applying it. All right, so then you have another one, uh, Romans 13, 7. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I remember my father talking to a man in his church where I grew up, and the man was saying, I, I'm not going to pay taxes. I'll never pay taxes. And he had all kinds of oh, reasons, and, and uh, one of his key reasons I remember was uh, as long as there's abortion in America, he said, I will not pay taxes. And I, I understand the sentiment. And my dad said the same thing. But he said, the scripture helps us with these things. The, the light of God's word can illuminate. And he said, uh, we give tribute to whom it's due, custom to whom it's due. Were there things going on in this time period, like abortion or worse? Yes. Did he still say Pay your taxes? He said, pay your taxes. That man, thank the Lord, did, did end up coming around and paying his taxes. And uh, his, his, he was in danger of losing his entire business. And it was a miracle. The IRS uh, is not known for mercy, by the way. Uh, but he, he uh, opened himself up and started paying the taxes. The IRS took some penalties from him, but did not take his, businesses, his business or his cars or anything uh, is, is just a, a, an, an incredible act of, I believe, God's mercy. I'm not going to say the IRS's mercy. And maybe it was their oversight, God's mercy. All right, Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth hath fulfilled the law. Uh, so what would we use this uh, for in our lives? If someone was just getting into debt all the time and saying, is this a good thing? Uh, I'd say, no, God doesn't want us to be in debt in this way to others. What we want to owe to others is just our love, all right? We want to love other people and be able to keep that relation, not have our relationship strained because, oop, I owe her money, oop, owe him money, uh, let's walk down this way, ah, I owe him money, let's walk this way. Uh, you can't really have much of a ministry and much relationship when, when you are uh, running from creditors. And that's not what God has as the Christian's destiny. We ought to be in control of our finances, in control of our spending, living within our means, budgeting, and so forth. So this would help us with that. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, 
For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So, this we can take and not twist. We can take it exactly for what it says and apply it to several situations. Uh, in other words, if someone is saying, I don't know what to do with my time. I'm just bored. I think I'll just play video games all day. Well, let me help you with that. Uh, the Word of God says something about working, and if you don't work, then... You shouldn't eat. We should get busy. We should, you know, if you don't have a job, pray about that. You can pray according to 2 Thessalonians 3.10. You can say, Lord, you said in your word that if any don't work, they shouldn't eat. And I don't want to be one of these guys who's just working not at all, you know. I want to be one that is, is a good testimony and with quietness, working, eating my own bread. Lord, according to your word, give me a job. I think you can pray that prayer and you can trust God to lead in that specific direction. Uh, of course, God knows your heart. He knows if you are wanting to get a job and you're looking for a job and he knows if you're sitting here back here saying, I'm putting out applications, but I hope they all turn me down because I really just want to mooch off everybody else in my life. God knows your heart. He knows, and, and uh, uh, so we can't fool the Lord. But this will help us with that. All right, uh, a couple for, one for wives, one for husbands. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Do I really have to submit myself to that husband? <laughs> Could have said a lot of things there. <clears throat> Well, Ephesians 5.22 can help with this. This is not a stretch. This is not some weird reading between the lines. Just reading it right out says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Well, husbands, before you get too uh, happy with that, remember verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, so how would we apply this? Well, I, I don't know. I can't stand that woman. I'm going to divorce her. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do you want Christ to divorce the church? Do you want Christ to divorce you? He gave himself for the church. Would you rather that he didn't? We are to love our wives, gentlemen, the way Christ loved us. So these, these give us answers to specific questions about God's will straight off the pages of Scripture. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, that can answer several questions that you're, you're praying about. Uh, should I take this job? Now I know it'd be a lot more money. It'd be a lot more, you know, cool stuff. I'd be traveling all over the place. I'd probably not see my family hardly at all. I, I would probably never get to church. But, oh, man, it'd be great. It's what I've always wanted to do. I'd see the world and all this. Well, is this becoming a God? Are you putting it before the Lord? Uh, you know, uh, you, you could, you're praying, um, Lord, you know, give me that Corvette on sale. Do Corvettes ever go on sale? I don't know if they ever go on sale. There's some things that never go on sale, right? I'm not saying a Corvette is an idol. But if you're putting things ahead of God, it's an idol. 
And if you have become obsessed with, I've got to have this certain thing, I should have no other gods before me. Is it becoming a God that can help you with some specific direction about your life? One more, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, so many applications there. God comes first. But we need to make sure that we are loving our neighbors as well. And that could apply to decisions that you make, things that you will do, things that you won't do because of a love for God and because of a love for your neighbor. All right, we could do so many more. Let me give you a, a, a couple of others. Uh, so the above commands that we just finished reading are universally applicable. I'll give you a few that are not. So John 14, 4, 6, I'm sorry, 4, 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. That's not for you, all right? You're reading along. Go call thy husband. Well, okay. Bob, come on. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, uh, that's not for you. Luke 17, 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, show yourself to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And so somebody says, I've got this, this nagging illness. I need to go find some priests show myself to them, and then I'll be cleansed. Not, not necessarily. I wouldn't hang my hat on that. 2 Samuel 7.3 And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. I was praying over that verse when I was on ClassicFirearms.com. <laughs> do I get this one, Lord? The Glock? The Smith & Wesson? Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Well, I'll just get them all. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I just want to obey the Lord. Uh, that doesn't work that way. Plus, I have, I have the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and my wife uh, to help me with those urges and to make sure I'm applying Scripture correctly. All right. So we don't get direct commands from those Scriptures, but there are applications. All right. The, the one that's on the screen right there. There's applications for me right there. Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. In other words, when I have a heart to do what God has called me to do, he's with me. And, and it's going to prosper. And so it did in that situation there. Uh, uh, so there are certainly applications that we can take and principles that can be applied. All right. So... That was number one, clear and rele relevant commands. Number two, and we might not get all the way through these. Number two, passages that specifically address situations or decisions like yours. So right methods of using Scripture, use clear and relevant commands. And two, use passages that specifically address situations or decisions like yours. Again, don't go fishing for an obscure verse. I... Uh, Let's see if I can find the verse. I didn't write it down. But um, I, 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 I read, preach, study, teach out of the King James Version. I'm a King James guy. Uh, there was a preacher I heard who went to Ezekiel. And, uh, oh, it's the passage. I, I have to look it up. But it's the passage that talks about the, the shepherds have stepped on the bread of the sheep and have 
walked through their water and defiled their water. And a man preached that you should only use the King James Version. And if you don't, you have trampled on the bread and defiled the water. And his, his message was, get your stinking feet out of my drinking water. That was the title of the message. And that was his, his <laughs> he was trying to preach on, only use the King James, which I only use the King James. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm there. But I don't know that we could go to that verse in Ezekiel and say, get your stinking feet out of my drinking water to make that case. I believe there's other cases that can be made and so forth. But we've got to be careful which scriptures we use and, and what we're pulling from where uh, to make the case. And by the way, this is very, very important because if it's not tied to scripture, it's not going to stick very long, especially with the second generation. You know, I can get up here and grab something from uh, some obscure verse in Ezekiel and wear that thing out, amen. And I might get people hollering and, oh, yeah. But when, the, when all of that wears down and you're in life, it's not going to get you through. And those who are younger, who are asking questions and assimilating things, if it doesn't speak to them from Scripture, it's just not going to stick. We need to make sure we're not just randomly hunting for Scripture. So look for passages that specifically address situations and decisions like yours. Um, all right, so let me look in the book here and give you a couple of illustrations of this. So here's a question for your situation. How should you discipline your children? That's a question I get from parents. How should I discipline my children? What's God's will? Well, there's relevant passages for that. Proverbs has several passages. I'm not going to put all these on the board, uh, but Proverbs 3.12. If you're writing these down, you can do that. Proverbs 13.24, Proverbs 19.18, Proverbs 22.15, 23.13 and 14, 29, uh, chapter 29, verse 15 and 17. And, and it will help you to know what God's will is regarding child-rearing. It's in the book. Another question. Your spending is out of control. Financial stewardship is not happening so well. Retirement is coming, but you're not ready. Uh, can the Bible help? Yes. Again, back to Proverbs. You can go through the book of Proverbs with a colored pencil or a highlighter, and you could highlight, oh, countless verses in Proverbs that relate to wealth, work, busyness, laziness, stewardship. And as Dr. Perry puts it, uh, this will be like a spiritual chiropractic adjustment uh, to get you back in line and help you with your spending habits and your financial priorities. Now, none of these things help you if you don't apply them. Uh, Brother Barry in the book talks about a friend of his who went through Dave Ramsey's program every time it was offered. He enjoyed it. He loved Ramsey. He liked his wit, his wisdom, his humor, uh, but he never did a thing Ramsey said. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, sometimes we come to the Bible like that. Sometimes we come to church like that, and we love to hear it. But if you're not doing what it's saying, you are no better for it. You're actually worse off. Another one. Uh, so your situation, you're of marriageable age, you're wanting to know what God's will is for a wife or husband, and wanting to know what can God's word do to direct me on this. Well, 
For men, you might look at Proverbs 31 to see what kind of wife you're looking for. And for women, you might look to Proverbs 31 to see what kind of wife you should be. And that's not the only one, but that's certainly a good place to start. But look at some passages that that are already dealing with where you're at and what you're what you're looking uh, what you're looking for in your life. Um, so so many others here could be mentioned. Let's go with uh, if your spouse is unsaved and you are, are dealing with that. Uh, well, God gives, uh, God does give, give uh, some instruction there. And here, I, I thought this was in the book, but I was going to mention it before. First uh, Peter 3, 1 through 6. You can memorize that. Ask the Spirit of God to help you apply this to your marriage and to direct you in that regard. Um, if you're facing ridicule, harassment, or persecution from relatives and uh, folks at work because you got saved, is there something that God can help you uh, with, with a, a, a verse of Scripture that can help you? Yes, it's First Peter. The entire book provides help to new believers who are facing persecution because of their faith. Uh, if you have doubts about your salvation, there are so many promises you can go to in the Word of God uh, that will help you with that. So many things that can help you with God's will on specific areas. So look for passages that specifically address situations and decisions like yours. God has given his word for, to, light, to lighten your path, but you have to shine his word on the path. His word's like the flashlight. You've got to turn it on and shine it, uh, specifically where you're going, not randomly. And, and recognize that his, his word does apply to every situation. Uh, I'm looking at the time here. I don't think I can get through the rest tonight. So we will do the rest because it's quite a bit left. We will take care of the rest uh, in, in, Lord willing, next week. But let me just recap so far. So look for clear and relevant commands and look for passages that specifically address situations and decisions like yours. Study them. Look at the context. Look at the uh, 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 parallel passages and, 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 and ask the Lord, how does this relate to me and my situation? God is not going to give you a new scripture. There's no new scripture needed. We need to apply the scripture that he's already given. And I think in a world where we're used to, if we have a question, we're used to, well, I'll just ask you guys. What do you do if you need a question right now? Pray, well, someone's more spiritual than me. Uh, what does the world do? What, yeah, you're right, that's what we should do. But what does the world do if they want an instant answer? Like, for instance, who is the 46th president of America? Google it. Yes, pray is the spiritual one. <laughs> but if you want a quick answer, you Google it. Uh, where's the nearest Burger King? You Google it. We live in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture where we expect that from God, too. Lord, I need to know, do I take the job or don't I? I need to know... Uh, you know, am I moving or am I not moving? Am I marrying her or am I not marrying her? I just want to Google it. Where's the Google search bar in the Bible? It's not in there. That is a shortcut that God doesn't want you to take. He wants you to get to know Him. He wants you to get to know His Word. And He wants you to, he wants you to know the whole thing. Not just 
I, I, Lord, all I want from you, God, I don't want to trouble you or put you out. All I want from you is two questions. Uh, do I do this career and do I do this spouse? That's all I want. God says, that's not all I want to give. I want to give you that, but I want to give you so much more. I want to give you a relationship. I want to help you not just with those two questions, but you've actually got a hundred more questions you should be asking. I'd like to help you with those too. Let's walk together. Let's talk together. Let's get into this. And, and he will not just answer those questions, but he will show you himself and give light on your path. All right, so we looked at the first two. We have three more to come next week. Let's close now in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and that we can plan our life God's way through God's word. I pray that we would learn to take the flashlight and shine it on our life, not randomly, uh, not walking around with the flashlight turned off, but Lord, that we would diligently shine your light on our way and begin to learn how to apply the scriptures to our lives daily. Lord, help our young people to learn this from a young age, to know that God's word has answers. His word is alive and can be trusted. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.